welcome to this week's episode of Fan Fatales. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby. And this week, we're going to be starting our winter wonderthon with some Disney Christmas tales. That's right. So we're going to be talking about some of the Disney Park winter holiday traditions and some of our own memories, if we have some, as well as covering some Disney Christmas movie classics, which will be Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas, Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas, and Beauty and the Beast, Enchanted Christmas. So. And I just wanted to keep my reindeer sweater. Yes, it's very cute. I've just got anyway. green. And my hot chocolate in my chip mug for yes. Beauty and the Beast, Enchanted Christmas. And I'm boring as hell and just have a basic-ass tree. <laughs> so shall we get started? Yes, of course. I love how and we so, both sipped at the same time. That was... I know. <laughs> Everybody's listening was probably like, what are they doing? Why is it so quiet? <laughs> so we're going to kick it off with the Disney parks. And I watched the Decorating Disney Holiday Magic, which I'm pretty sure came out in 2019, mm-hmm. to get some notes about how they decorate for um, Christmas at the um, Disney parks, specifically in California and Florida, respectively. Yes. And you can go now to see holiday decorations all over the world at every Disney park. Yes, so we are recording this on November 18th. Next Wednesday, I'm seeing Disney Springs holiday decorations. Yeah, I want to go. Take me with you. Okay, just come over. Yeah, sure. I'll just fly across the country. No problem. I have no money. (laughs) Would you like to talk a little bit about the Disneyland Resort? Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely gorgeous. I haven't been, oh, in so long. I haven't been in literally ages. Um, But uh, for Sleeping Beauty Castle, um, there's, like, so much stuff that goes on, and it's so pretty. They have crazy. Yeah, they have icicles, and they, like, cap the little, like, turrets in snow. Yeah, the snow caps. Yes. And everything gets repainted. Like, all of the snow gets repainted. All of the icicles get repainted. So it's fresh every single year. And there are over... They check every single light. Yeah. Too. Every single one. If one light is out, they fix it. Like, they check mm-hmm. every single individual light. And um, there's over 40 pieces that go on the castle alone. Just by just on the castle. And your castle's small. Yeah. Well, hey. Compared to... Compared to mine. It's not that small. It's it's okay. big. It's just not that sm- it's just not that big. <laughs> I can't wait for you to see Magic Kingdoms. <laughs> I'm still gonna say Disneyland's better. Disneyland's always better. Okay. Anyway. So the winter chime the winter winter time <laughs> enchantment crew waits for an all clear, which is when the last guest has left the park at closure before on November 1st, right? It is literally, like, as soon as the Halloween party ends. Yeah. On October 31st, all clear. Yeah, happens. which it ends at midnight, I think. Yeah, but it's still, like, you have to wait for every guest to leave. So by then it's, like, roll out. 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. It's officially November 1st. <coughs> 2 o'clock yeah. in the morning on November 1st, but still. But as soon as the last person leaves, boom, they spring into action. They bring in cranes. There's, like, hundreds of people everywhere. It is, ooh, if you've seen a time lapse of it, it is, like, the most chaotic time lapse. 
but it's so beautiful because it's just like boom, 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 boom. They have like, there's like a method to everything. It's so intricately planned out. It just looks like chaos because yes. everybody's running around in like 20 times And speed. it's crazy because 31 people are working on the castle alone. Yeah. And they work all night, literally until yeah. sunrise. Literally until the like, park opens. Yeah. Like, the they were showing the it. Park <laughs> they were showing it in the video because I think they were showing it started at like two thirty a.m. Mm-hmm. when the like last guest had like they had made sure left mm-hmm. for that all clear. They worked until like eight a.m. that morning. I believe it. Like I'm sure, like they finished the front of the park first and they worked their way back so that way if they're like, you know what I mean. Yeah, I know that they were doing like Main Street and Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty's Castle at the same time. Yeah. Because then, like, they can, like, be finishing up at the end of the park. As people are walking in, they're like, go, go, yeah. put it away, put it away. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it, they literally have, like, what, not even 12 hours. Like, they have, like, eight yeah, hours. that was six hours. Yeah, six hours. 2.30 to 8. Yeah, six. To put up an entire, like, the entire park gets christmas fied. Though some of the things like continue on, such as Small World, which takes three weeks of hard work for its entire holiday transformation. Yeah. Which that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and every doll gets like a special cute little holiday e accessory. So that's like a crap. Or ton even of complete costumes. Yeah. Then the lights that they put on, the 50,000 C7 size Christmas lights, which I looked it up, and C7 Christmas lights are a full one inch round and 1.5 inches tall. Those are enormous. Those are like, yeah. those are like the traditional <laughs> Christmas lights. Those are like... Yeah. Yeah. And they have 50,000 of them on the exterior of Small World. I absolutely believe it. 100%. And then another 350,000 mini lights in the foliage around mm-hmm. the attraction. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's the most beautiful thing. You're going to laugh at our small world. Yeah, I know. I'm going to be like, <laughs> lame. <laughs> no, but. Our small world's so lame. <laughs> another great holiday makeover is for the Haunted Mansion um, because in August, they close the Haunted Mansion down. For 18 days, and they do a whole transformation, and yes. they turn it into the um, Nightmare, Nightmare Before, Before Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. And it stays up from October all the way till January. Okay. I was wondering how long it stayed up. It stays till, like, whenever they put the regular, whenever they put the Christmas stuff away, it stays up till then. Okay. Yeah. That's what I figured. So. Um. Yeah, and believe it or not, the gingerbread house that's inside that is made every year, and it's made from real gingerbread. We're going to talk about the gingerbread over at Disney World soon. Yeah, isn't there like a whole gingerbread making contest, like a gingerbread house contest at Disney World? There is a whole like full foot, like one story house that is just placed in the middle of one of the hotels, in the Grand Floridian to be exact. Yeah. And it's made out of real gingerbread, and we'll get into the facts about that, because that was one of the main things that they covered in this um, holiday special. Cool. So, one of the, one of the, another interesting facts that I really like about this uh, 
holiday overlay, actually, is that um, Madame Leota, who was originally played by Leota Toomes, um, she was, like, the first one who came up with the idea of giving, like, the Haunted Mansion, like, a holiday, like, change, right? Yeah. And her daughter... We talked about that a little bit in the Imagineer episode a few weeks ago. Yeah. And her daughter, Kim Irvine, plays Madame Leota in the Christmas overlay, the Halloween and Christmas overlay. And she says the 13, what is it, the 13 days of Christmas? Yeah, the 13 days of Christmas. Yeah. It's very cute. Yeah. And I liked it. And another um, tribute that they paid to Imagineers and cast members is throughout the attraction, especially on the names of, like, the Naughty and Nice list and the gift tags, are key people and original creators and designers and producers of the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. And it's very cool. It's, like, full of little things, and I love it. It makes me so happy. Although, I do like the original better, but the holiday overlay is not the worst. (laughs) Yeah. So, shall we get over to my side of... Go for it. I know you've been dying to talk about it. Go ahead. Well, first of all, we're going to talk about Main Street USA. Not Cinderella's Castle's overlay, but Main Street USA. Because just outside of Magic Kingdom, there are three giant warehouses that total 300,000 square feet of holiday decor. Like, it just houses the Christmas decorations for Magic Kingdom. I believe it. That's a lot of trees and wreaths and garland. Yeah. That's a lot of And garland. they are refurbished and stored every year, just like um, in Disneyland. And to deliver the winter holiday decorations for Main Street USA... Disney World partners with the Orange County Sheriff's Office in Orlando, Florida to have some of their units block intersections and basically guide them. You know what I think is funny? That we've talked about this before. That I think both we have. Disney's... But both Disney parks are in Orange <laughs> County. Yeah. Both of the ones in the United States are in Orange County. Orange County, Florida, and Orange County, California. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. weird? Yeah, it is. I feel but like, like they did that on purpose. They tr- I feel like they did too. But they treat getting the winter holiday decorations for Main Street USA almost like the Rockefeller Christmas tree. Seriously. <laughs> like, it is serious. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. And then across the resort, 39 lobby and icon trees range from 16 feet to 70 feet tall. Decorating all lobby and icon trees takes over 10,000 ornaments and a quarter of a million lights. I 100% believe it. We have a 10-foot tree in our house, and that has, I think it takes 10 10-foot light strands to light up the whole thing. Jeez. Yeah. The good thing is, our tree is pre-lit. We leave all the the lights on. It's been pre-lit for, like, literally 10 years. Hey, that's nice. Yeah. So my family just has it. like an artificial one that has the lights on it. Yeah, that's what that's what ours is basically. We yeah we wrapped the lights. Mm, we when we first got it, we wrapped the lights, and then maybe like five or six years ago, we rewrapped them. Uh, cause the tree broke and we had to fix it. <laughs> so we fixed it and then we rewrapped it because all the lights were like basically like tangling within the like yeah. broken parts of the tree. But um, we rewrapped it, and it took us, like, literally, like, four hours to rewrap the tree. Yeah. It's nuts. Jeez. 
So I could only imagine having to decorate a 70-foot tall tree. I was like 70 foot. And I'm sure that those are the ones that are outside, like, in each park. Yeah. Right? Like, so magic, animal. But I'm sure they're not, like... Epcot. I'm sure they're not, like, our kind of, like, faux trees. I feel like they're the ones that are, like, hollow in the middle. Yeah. I thought they were... Like, they're triangular in the middle. There's, like, a triangular frame, and then there's just, like, yeah. branches poking out of it, you know? Otherwise, I feel like it would just be too heavy. Our 10-footer weighs at least 400 pounds. Yeah. Of course, whenever I look up Disney trees, are they real? All I'm getting is the Animal Kingdom Tree of Life. Oh. Which is the main icon. I'm like, no. no. Christmas tree. And we mentioned this a little bit, but I wanted to get into the specific details. During the holiday season, um, Disney Imagineers make a life-size gingerbread house for the Grand Floridian Resort and Spa. 2,000 <laughs> pounds of flour? <laughs> yes, and 1,000 pounds of honey. This gingerbread house takes almost 2,000 pounds of flour, 1,000 pounds of honey, 800 pounds of sugar, and 150 pounds of chocolate. Okay, and you they know... You know it's huge when you're measuring in pounds instead of cups. <laughs> or grams. Yes. Like, I use grams. When I go see it um, on Wednesday, I'll show you a picture, but it is ginormous. That's nuts. I'm so sorry, Kara. I think I, like, totally just blew her eardrums <laughs> out with that last thing when I screamed in the mic. And they make the honey dough in June and start baking in August. Meaning that it takes about a half a year to make this gingerbread house. 17 feet tall? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, this house is 17 feet tall, 12 feet long, and 10 feet wide. They really and the fact that like... I... Oh. And the really... fact that I didn't... <laughs> I'll let you go first, Gabby. They were like, oh, we want it to be big enough for the dwarves to live in it. So... They actually, it's hollow in the inside, of course, and they sell gingerbread inside of it, like gingerbread cookies and gingerbread kits and stuff like that. So you, like, walk into it? No, like, they have someone that, like, like, a cast member working inside, and you go up to, like, the counter, like, the window of this gingerbread house. Okay, you need to take a video of this. I don't believe you. Okay. I do and not wh- believe you. <laughs> and like the main... Okay. Fine. I will... Grand Floridian Gingerbread House. There, no way. Yes. That's like... Okay. There's this... Oh, every year... A few years ago, they used to do this like big contest at one of the big hotels in town. And it was like a gingerbread contest. And they always had like the engineering there students from... Um, they always had the engineering students from UCSD, um, like, build these giant gingerbread houses. Yes. And it was a big contest. And, like, there would always be, like, cute little ones, but they always had, like, really nice ones. And that looks like one of the nice ones, but blown up to be 17 feet tall. Like, literally. Holy smokes. Yeah. Like, so, unless, you can see I people ordering from the window people. right here. If people weren't standing there, I would have not believed you at all. <laughs> okay, now let me get back to the next. Like, that's enormous. So, yeah. And another Disney tradition, or Disney World tradition that is no longer with us, rest in peace, 
that is a dear memory of mine is the Osborne Whites. Have as you in, heard of the Osborne Whites? As in Ozzy Osborne? No. Okay, then no. So, this is a crazy story. I literally like had to make notes about the history of the Osborne Whites. Go so for the Osborne it. I Whites have was no a Disney display. Holly, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. No problem. The Osborne Lights ran from 1995 to 2015 okay. in Hollywood Studios. Okay. And so it started off in 1986 when Breezy, which was um, the daughter's nickname, asked her father, Jennings Osborne, if they could decorate their home in heights with 1,000 lights put on, which began to grow. And eventually, Osborne purchased the two properties adjacent to his own and expanded the display into them. By 1993, the display had over 3 million lights. This is just some guy in his neighborhood. 3 million lights. And the lights became extremely popular around the world as news crews often visited to film the display, causing several traffic issues and many complaints. In 1993, six neighbors filed a lawsuit saying traffic congestion made trips to the corner store take two hours and feared emergency vehicles could not get down the street. Osborne responded by adding three million more lights. <laughs> he said, hey, how about I don't care? <laughs> like, <laughs> he said, here's some holiday spirit for you. So he lives in Little Rock, Arkansas. Or he passed away by now, but he lived in Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay, cool. Which is hilarious, because one of my friends is from Arkansas, and was like, oh yeah, I remember the Osborne Lights. That's cool. Yeah. Um, the county court ordered an injunction against the display, limiting it to 15 days, and directing that it would be lighted from 7 to 10.30 p.m. Okay. Osborne appealed first to the Arkansas Supreme Court, and lost. And then, in 1994... To the U.S. Supreme Court, where Justice Clarence Thomas refused to halt the order. Oh, but humbugs. In 1995, the state Supreme Court shut down the display altogether. Oh, what humbugs. How, how horrible. <laughs> Where's your Christmas spirit? The, dis- the story of the light display's court case brought national attention, including offers from several cities to host the display. Heck yeah. Walt Disney World project director John Phelan um, contacted Osborne's attorney about moving the display to the Orlando Resort and eventually discussed a potential move with Osborne himself. Osborne was intrigued by the offer, but initially understood that Disney wanted to put the display on another residential street in Orlando. What Phelan actually offered was to install the display on residential street which was a back lot at disney's hollywood studios theme park then known by its original name of disney mgm studios being a fan of the resort himself and realizing where the display would go osborne accepted disney's offer and in 1995 the display was set up on residential street as the osborne family spectacle of lights becoming an immediate success and they ran from 1995 to 2015 after the location of the Osborne Lights was moved to the Streets of America section of the park, which the Streets of America section does not exist anymore. 
because that's now where our current day Galaxy's Edge is. And when they closed it down to construct Galaxy's Edge in um, 2015, that's when the Osborne Heights ended. And the lights were given back to the Osborne family in the end. So I don't know what happened to it since, but yeah. Hmm. But I remember going to it like one of the last days back in 2015. Aww. And I remember walking down and they would do like light shows <laughs> for like different Christmas songs and stuff. And the one I remember like when I was walking down it was What's This from The Nightmare Before Christmas. I was going to go Believe by Josh Groban from The Nightmare <laughs> We were talking about that movie, like, right before getting on. <laughs> you guys, we were, like, literally just talking about it because I was, like, jamming out hardcore to Believe by Josh Groban. I listened to it, like, four times. It was, like, it was a mood. I was feeling it. And then another Disney World tradition is the Candlelight Processional at Epcot. Have you heard of it? No, but it kind of sounds like Las Posada. Okay. I don't know what that is. I'll explain. So. It's a Mexican tradition. Okay, so every night, I think they just started it, like, this week, um, a celebrity narrator tells the story of Christmas, recounting the biblical tale of a savior born in Bethlehem, and woven into the production is um, stirring songs of hope and joy performed by the orchestra and masked choir, and the choir composes of cast members and high school choir students that audition to be a part of it like really the whole cool. qu- high school choir will audition together I know my high school did it that's really cool and they even got to do it for so some of the celebrity narrators have included which my school got to do this first one being Neil Patrick Harris Love him. um Ming who is the Disney trifecta woman mm-hmm. she's been in Marvel Star Wars and a Disney princess yep Cheetah Rivera Jodie Benson, who's the voice of Ariel, and so much more. Yeah. I was looking at the list this year, and Neil Patrick Harris has been, like, a staple for every year for the past who knows how long. Of course. And this is his first year not doing it. And I was so shocked. James Earl Jones is also a big one that they always bring out. Very nice. Cries in Neil Patrick Harris. (laughs) I know. I was, like, I was so considering buying tickets if he was going to be there. Mood. So, basically what Las Posadas is, it's not quite the same, but it's very similar. Basically, like, everybody goes around. It's kind of like caroling. Like, you go to all the, all the different houses, and you show up, and you ask, like, for shelter and food and, like, that kind of thing. You're basically, okay. like, recreating Mary and Joseph going through the town asking for shelter and food. My church back home kind of, we call it a night in Bethlehem. It's kind of And sweet. it's like a walkthrough tour of the um, the Christmas story. Okay. And I used to act in it. Not quite the same, but similar. Okay. So you I used to-, to act in it, and it got to the point where some of the elders at the church thought my name was Mary, because <gasps> I was Mary in the first scene oh. when the angel comes to tell her that she's going to have Jesus. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so... Um, so basically you go to all of the houses in the neighborhood and you ask and they'll say no posada, which means no, yeah. you can't, you can't enter. And then eventually you get to like your friend's house or a family's, your family's house or like somebody, you know, like your neighbor or something like that. And they say, 
like, yes, come in. And then you have this big party, and everybody okay. everybody drinks bonche, which is um, cinnamon and cane sugar and, like, a bunch of, like, really good yummy stuffs in tea. Ooh. It's really good. And um, they break... Um, they break this bread that's, oh my gosh, I can't remember what it's called, but basically in the bread, there's a little baby Jesus. There's like a little baby I've plastic heard of Jesus. This. Yeah. And if it, it, it's the Rosca de Reyes, that's what it is. Yes. Which is, which is the, um, the bread of the Kings. So it's okay. the, the three wise men. And if you get the baby Jesus, that means you host the next posada. Oh. So the next year that it's your turn to host the posada. So that's the Okay. That's kind of how it goes. It's very fun. We never did it as kids, but we had the party. Okay. And we ate we ate the bread. <laughs> and then the last thing is the Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, which they changed it to some merry, I don't know the name of it this year, mm-hmm. but the original form, Very Merry Christmas. Um, the big attraction is the specialty characters, which include Jack Skellington as Sandy Claus with Sally, which I got to meet Jack Skellington with my sister during this mm-hmm. and my dad had never seen Nightmare Before Christmas at this time and my sister goes up to Jack and is like my dad hasn't seen your movie and he's like explaining his role like he's like oh yeah I'm the pumpkin king like all that stuff to my dad mm-hmm. it was cute um Santa Claus of course Abu and Jeannie make appearances Aladdin and Abu Jasmine and Jeannie which I always found weird that Jasmine was with Jeannie mm-hmm. just cause like they have, like, what, one scene together in that entire movie? <laughs> like, legit. Um, the princes are with their princesses, minus Aladdin and Jasmine, but they're together every day in the park, so yeah. it's fine. Um, the seven dwarfs make an appearance in all their, like, little scarves and beanies and stuff. They're so cute. They have the longest line. Scrooge McDuck. Uh, makes an appearance. I like yes. when he dives into his, like, vault of money. I, <laughs> goals. Same. Um, and then Nick Wilde and Judy Hopps from Zootopia. Cool. Which, they have the weirdest meet and greet area there. It's in Tomorrowland. I think we've talked about this before. Can someone explain to me why they're in Tomorrowland? I don't know. Question. For your Christmas party, does Santa Claus come with Mrs. Claus, or is it just Santa? Sometimes Mrs. Claus is there, but it's usually just Santa. Because okay. he kind of, there's like a bench off to the side of Main Street where Snow White usually is, mm-hmm. and he takes over that bench during the Christmas party. Okay, got it. Because it's been a while, but if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure here Miss, uh, Santa Claus is always with Mrs. Claus. Or at least for the okay. most part is with Mrs. Claus. But I could be wrong. Yeah. It's been a really long time since I've been there for a while. I know that she's in the parade, so I'm sure that she's also mm-hmm. meeting with Santa. Of course. Um, and then the ones we need? Cry- oh. I think we need what? Buddy the Elf running around. I know it's not a Disney property, but like, I hear agree. me out. <laughs> like, what if we I just agree. had Buddy running around being like, "Hi, hi!" Like, I we're just elves in general, right? No, it has to be Buddy though. I. You gotta do the, oh, bye, buddy. I hope you find your dad. 
Bye, Mr. Narwhal. Love it. We got wrapping paper at work that says it. It's really cute. I love that. Mm -hmm. We wrapped and then, a, we wrapped some stuff for work in it. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting ooh. off track. Go ahead. And then the entertainment includes the Once Upon a Christmas Time Parade, which I've known some toy soldiers that have been in the parade. Because a lot of the um, a lot of the friends of the toy soldiers are marching knights at UCF, so they're marching band because they actually play the trumpet. Hmm. Um, and then a frozen holiday wish. Which is where Elsa uses her powers to light up Cinderella's castle in ice lights. That's in so the ice cute. Lights. Yeah, and like Anna and Olaf comes out and they're like, come on, Elsa. And she's like, well, I don't want to like intrude. Yeah, Olaf comes out. And Kristoff sometimes does too with Anna. It's so cute. Have you seen the new Olaf Presents series? Yes! I've watched almost all of them and I'm obsessed. I watched just the like, the 12-minute one that had all of them put together. Oh, I didn't watch that one. I watched all of them individually. The Rapunzel one, I love the Rapunzel one. I need therapy. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And then hot chocolate and, like, cookies are provided with the ticket um, at, like, the different locations around it. Which, it's, like, it's one of the, like, nighttime things. So, like, theoretically, it starts at, like, 7. You're... You've already eaten dinner. Yeah. You just want treats. Yeah. Yeah, and then, I mean, for me, I don't really have any, like, memories. Like, I never really went for any of this, like, okay. nighttime Christmas stuff. Like, we always went during the summer. Like, that was our summer trip was always Okay. Busy. And then when I got a little older, my dad and I used to go pretty regularly in October because it wasn't too hot and there wasn't that many crowds. Yeah. Unless you go, like, my one week in October family. where, like, people in Utah and, like, like <laughs> northern west, like, a little bit more in the northwest, like, they all have this weird break in the middle of October, and we're like, why? But it was really weird. Interesting. Yeah. Um, obviously, the Osborne lights haven't happened since I was 14. So, yeah. like, or 13, because I think they ended in January of 2015. So, yeah. When I was four or thirteen, sad. I miss those, but the candlelight processionals during the day. That's it's cute. not like nighttime. Okay, that's nice. So they'll do like two shows. That's nice. When at like seven, and you could do like the dinner like mm -hmm. package with one of the restaurants in Epcot, mm -hmm. and get like nice seats. Which my family would always do that because we'd yeah. make it a treat. Sounds fun. Yeah. So shall we get into some of these movies? Yeah. Some of these are like classics, like so, like bring back such memories. No, me. especially this first one, Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas. Yes, and all of the synopsis for the Once Upon and Twice Upon are so long because there's like five different parts to each one. I know. Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, Donald, Daisy, and Pluto gather to reminisce about love, magic, and surprises in three wonder-filled stories of Christmas past. Thinking back to when they wished Christmas was every day, Donald's nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, remembers their dream turning into a comical catastrophe, eventually um, teaching them what the true holiday spirit is all about. Goofy and Max retell a story in which, wait, 
retell when they experience a series of hilarious but season-shaking events until a visit from the real Santa made it a most magical holiday. And in the fine tradition of Disney storytelling, Minnie and Mickey recall the year they both gave up what was most important to them for the sake of each other, making for one unforgettable Christmas. Literally, I sobbed through this whole thing. I know. I was like sitting there crying. I will be honest. I watched, what was it? The Search for Santa Paws. I was texting you, but I was sobbing by the end of it. Yeah. It's fine. Mentally, I'm at Christmas, but I'm sad. Yep. Um, directed, this was directed by three people, one for each of the shorts. Um, Bradley Raymond, June Falkenstein, and Bill Spears, and it came out in 1999. Um, the cast includes Kelsey Grammer as the narrator, Wayne Allwine as Mickey Mouse, Rusty Taylor as Minnie Mouse, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, Tony Anselmo as Donald Duck, Diane Michelle as Daisy Duck in The Gift of Magi, Alan Young as Uncle Scrooge McDuck, Bill Farmer as Goofy and Pluto, Tress McNally um, as Chip Daisy, and Aunt Gertie, Corey Burton as Dale, Sean Fleming as young Max Goof, and Jim Cummings as Pete and Santa. Winnie the Pooh played Shanta. Yes, he also always plays Pete, so I was not surprised by that. Yeah. Um, and two fun facts about this, one being... Um, the department store that Minnie works at in the segment Mickey and Minnie's Gift of the Magi is named Mortimer's. Mortimer is the name Mickey er, Walt Disney originally intended to give to Mickey Mouse, and Minnie's boss at the department store is Mortimer Mouse. I actually wrote a note about that. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Mr. Mortimer, hmm, must be a reference to Mortimer Mouse, who was going to be was. Mickey. It was. It literally was. And then in the segment, A Very Goofy Christmas, one of the ornaments Goofy puts on the tree is Angelique from Beauty and the Beast Enchanted Christmas. Cute. Which came out two years prior. Another fun fact I found out after um, watching both of these, which I didn't put down, is this one was made by the Toronto Animation Studio, which lasted from, like, 1997 to ni- er, 2003. Mm-hmm. Like, had a very short run. Once Upon a Christmas and Enchant- um, Beauty and the Beast Enchanted Christmas were both produced there. Very nice. The Toronto studio mostly did direct-to-DVD animated sequels. Yeah. They were So they did, like, Return to Neverland, mm-hmm. Little Mermaid 2... Yeah, they were responsible for a lot of, like, um, not necessarily Disney Animation Studios pictures, but, like, Disney Toon pictures, which is similar. And, like, things like Goofy Movie, you know? Yeah. Like, that kind of deal. Okay. So, who's your favorite character? Young Max was so cute. Girl, he was cute, but boy, he was so mean. He was. I was like, I was like, okay, hold up. Even as like a seven-year-old, Max is such a jerk to Goofy. I mean, 
have we seen the um um goofy movie he's such a jerk to goofy in that literally he's such a jerk to him in literally everything and it makes me so upset goofy's trying his best okay max calm down Goofy's trying his best as a single dad. Yeah, like when like when he was writing in the Christmas note and he was saying, please don't forget Max. I literally was sobbing. Same. Also, um, hot take, Pete deserved to get robbed. Yeah. Hot take. I agree. <laughs> like, okay, what a jerk. He don't ruin the Christmas um, spirit is literally, like, really long. Like, in caps on my notes. Yeah. I just wrote... Also, the kid that got, um... The kid that got, like, hit by the, um, giant ornament. He should be dead. (laughs) Totally. Although, I did say, when Goofy was swinging on it, I wrote, He came in like a wrecking ball. Yeah. But yeah, okay, you know the scene where Goofy's, like, in the toy store making a total mess? Yeah, so the toy store was CEO shorts, and I was wondering if there was any, like, history to that. Probably. But I didn't bother looking it up. They do everything on purpose. Nothing is ever done coincidentally, so probably. But I, like, I don't know why. I don't remember most of this film, but that toy store scene... I vividly remember. I, you see, the one that I remember was, um, oh, it was a subtle jab at Eisner. Um, Eisner. When? The CEO thing. The CEO shorts. Because he's short. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so the um the short that I remember or the scene that I remember the most is Mickey on the stage performing with the firefighters with the with the firefighters. Yeah, that scene's cute. Yeah. I remembered that one too, but I remembered the toy store way vividly. I love this one note of mine. Lumberjack lingerie. Do I want to know? Yeah, honestly, no. I think, okay, in my mind, it's just like Victoria's Secret, but everything is plaid. I think that's what it looks like. Yeah. If I'm remembering it right. But anyway, I think my favorite character is Goofy. Just because when they're sitting on the roof and Max gets his snowboard and... Max says, but dad, you didn't get your present. And he says, no, I did. And Max is like, but you don't have a present. And Goofy's like, well, I, every year I ask for the same thing. And it's for your happiness. And like, literally, I could not hold it together. I started bawling my eyes out. Yeah. Um, since we kind of skipped the first one with Huey doing Louie, I just want to, I just want to write, um, or say the one note of mine that actually has anything to do with anything. Mm-hmm. Daisy is basically Linus in the Christmas Charlie Brown special during that one. Because she's always like, this is the Christmas, this is the true Christmas spirit. Da-da-da. When he's like, 
when he's like, Mary and Joseph were on their way to yes. Yeah. And yes. Yes. Standing there in the one spotlight. <laughs> yes. That exact moment. I love that. That was one. Daisy. Totally. The one. The also, one that... is the fat ant duck? <laughs> the fat ant duck in yeah. anything else? No. Where did she come from? I have no idea. But I pointed out, I was like, hold up. They're eating a turkey. I also said ducks. that. <laughs> I also said that. I was like, they're both poultry. Hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. This seems. It should have been ham. Yeah. Definitely should have been ham. Yeah. That would also, that sense. first short is basically Groundhog's Day, but Christmas. Oh, totally. Like the movie Groundhog's Day. Oh, yeah. But like... Also, I felt so old agreeing with Donald and yelling at the kids for not waiting for right? the presents to open. Right? Okay. I saw this one post that was like, the day you start siding with the adults in Disney movies, you're done. Like... Like, your life is over. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> also, I don't remember seeing Chip and Dale and many other things besides this movie. And like They'd be Rangers. such annoying neighbors. Right? They were such annoying neighbors. I'm sorry. What time is it when they're waking up? I don't know. When they're playing with that train? I don't know. Let's say Five it's o'clock. like seven, six. Six. Five. Five. We'll go with five. Do you want to be woken up by your neighbors loudly playing with their new train set at five in the morning? My neighbors are like an acre away from me, so I don't ever see them. I imagine they were right next to you. Would you want that? Probably not. Exactly. They were such rude neighbors. Yeah. Also, Huey, Dewey, and Huey all share a, a one singular bed. Mm-hmm. In both. I noticed it. In both. I, I was like, okay. Yep. Because I, I don't know why, but I always thought that they had, like, twin-size beds. I, had, like, I remember that, too. I think that was in DuckTales. Okay. I was like, they had, like, twin-size beds that were each, like, their shirts, like, comforter colors. Mm-hmm. Or their shirt colors mm-hmm. in, like, comforter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. DuckTales. So what was your favorite short story? I liked all of them, but probably Max and Goofy. If I had to choose one, Max and Goofy, but I liked all of them. Though I do remember Twice Upon a Christmas better than Once Upon a Christmas. I feel like that one was just on more. All the time. Also, I had it on VHS. Same. I had um, Twice Upon a on VHS, but I didn't have Once Upon a so. I was watching Once Upon a Time, I was like, but I thought this one was with the Santa and Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> okay. Or I saw what the was story th- and I was like, that's not right. Or the goofy one with his college girlfriend. No, I knew that one was different. I knew that they had, so I thought this, the Max and Goofy one and this one mm-hmm. was in Twice Upon a oh. but then... That the college one was in this chronologically, one. though, because Goofy movie hadn't even come out yet. Yeah, I don't know why I thought that. It's fine. It's fine. Also, I think it's really funny how they had James Marsden voice Max in 
twice upon it because he was goof or he was max in the goofy movie interesting so they just got the same voice actor yeah and we'll go into another fun fact that has to do with goofy movie when we get to twice upon a yeah we'll get there in, in my fun facts yeah um so what's your favorite what was moment? your favorite I mean, I already mentioned it. Max perf- or Mickey performing with the firefighter band. Yeah, mine is. I mentioned mine earlier too, and it's when they're sitting. When Max and Goofy are sitting on their roof, and they see Santa, and he drops off the gifts, and they have that really sweet moment, and it makes me cry every time because it's so sad. And like, not like sad in a, not like sad in like a sad way, but like sad in a ah way, you know? Yeah. Like a ouch. also. While we're making and many doing, buying their presents for each other on the Christmas day Eve? of Christmas Eve. Same with the family buying that tree on Christmas Eve. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, come on. If you buy things on Christmas Eve, you're begging to get ripped off. Yeah. Like, come on. So what was your least favorite moment? When Pete is like, Max, Santa doesn't exist. You're nuts. Of course Santa exists. And he's being an absolute Grinch. Yeah. Totally. Same. Santa totally, like, okay, come on. Like, of course Santa exists. He's seven. Leave him alone. Yeah. So, are there any other notes that we want to talk about? Um, I think that's it. Okay. So what would you rate this film um, out of ten? Nine out of ten. Same. Minus one point for Pete being an absolute jerk. Multiple times. So what do you think the critic and the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is for this movie? I feel like this one's higher than Twice Upon a Christmas. So I'm going to say... I haven't seen Twice Upon a Christmas, so I can't confirm nor deny. So I feel like this one is going to say, like, critics, 58... Audience, 67. You were almost spot on with the audience. Really? I will be honest. Yes. So the critics said 40%. Ooh, how wrong. And then the audience said 66. You were one 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 point off. off. (laughs) Now let me get... I'm getting better at this. Yeah, you are. This is a fun game for me. I enjoy this. I like being the one asking the question. I'm sure you do. So next we're going to talk about Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas, of course. So the synopsis is a computer animated omnibus featuring five shorts featuring classic Disney characters. The shorts includes uh, Bells of Ice, in which Daisy Duck and Minnie Mouse's friendship comes under strain during an ice skating competition. Christmas Impossible, where Huey, Dewey, and Louie travel to the North Pole to try to remove themselves from Santa's naughty list, and Mickey's Doggone Christmas, in which Pluto runs away from home after ruining Mickey Mouse's Christmas decorations. It was directed by Matthew O'Callaghan, and he spells his name the way my family spells our last name, so he's doing it right. We just took the O off. <laughs> okay. Um, he came, it came out in 2004, and the cast includes... Uh, Wayne Allwine as Mickey Mouse, Tony, oh god, Anselmo. Thank you, Anselmo as Donald Duck. I think that's how I pronounced it earlier. Yeah, because it's pretty much the same cast. Yeah, Bill Farmer as Goofy and Pluto, Rusie Taylor as Minnie Mouse, Huey Dewey and Louie, Tress McNell as Daisy Duck, 
Alan Young as Scrooge McDuck, Jason Marsden as Max Goof, Kelly Martin as Mona, Chuck McCann as Santa Claus, Jeff Bennett as Donner, Jim Cummings as Blitzen, and Clive Reville as the narrator. So some fun facts were that Kelly Martin, who voices Max's girlfriend, Mona, also did the voice of Max's high school crush, Roxanne, from a Goofy movie. I thought that was so interesting. I was like, oh! Every time, every time I watch a Goofy movie and, like, they talk about her, the only thing that goes through my head is that song by the police. (laughs) Just Roxanne! Yeah. So, the second fun fact is that in the second story with Huey, Dewey, and Louie, the SC logo on the door with the naughty list is the same lettering found in the Santa Claus series of films, also by Disney. And I also, thought that was so interesting. I also noticed that a lot of, like, the interior of, like, the North Pole stuff was yeah. very similar. That was definitely done on purpose. On purpose, for sure. And then the last fact is that this is the first Disney Toon Studios computer animated film. And you can tell. Yeah, you can. You can it's tell. A, it's a little rough. It's rough. Um, so who's your favorite character? Mm, I think in this one, not going to lie, in this one I think Mickey is kind of a jerk. He is. He's like such a jerk. He's like, get out and never come back. And I was like, hold the phone. <laughs> hold oh, up. That's your dog. Yeah. Like that like actually made me so sad. So I think I'm going to have to go with my boy, Goofy. Like I hate that they make him like such an idiot, but like he's so good. He tries so hard and he does everything he can to make Max happy. And like, Max doesn't appreciate him, but I appreciate him. I feel like I have to say either Donner or Pluto. I also very much like Donner. Donner is great. I love him so much. I like what he names him. He's like, the only name he could ever have. Yeah, no, yeah. Murray. <laughs> Murray Christmas. Duh. Okay, we had to say... Okay, I'm already looking at your notes a little bit. I have, like, three notes. We both have the same thing of... How old is Mickey supposed to be in this? Right? Because, like, he's old enough to own a home and, like, have a job and go buy things yeah. on his own. And yet Santa still lets him sit on his lap. It's like, hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. What was your favorite short story? Uh, Mine was the Do- Mickey's Dong Gone Christmas. That's the one I remember vividly. Mm-hmm, me too. For me, I remember the ice skating one so well. And then when I watched Fantasia for the first time, I knew I, know. I recognized those animals from somewhere. And this is where I recognized them from. <laughs> It, Wait, like, had you never seen Fantasia until, like, recently? No, I didn't watch Fantasia until, like, I was in my 20s. Interesting. I grew yeah. up with Fantasia. No, I hated that movie. I watched it once, I think. Like, okay. maybe. Like, I didn't even own it on VHS. Like, it, I thought it was so boring. 
but even as an adult, I was like, this is boring. But anyway, I knew. How I did you feel myself. about the pop up book? I liked it. I did not know how to feel. I liked it. I wish they had kept it in that like pop up book style rather than doing the three D. Yeah. The 3D was freaking I think weird. that's why I didn't like it was 3D. Pick a style. Which way are we going? My next my next bullet point was, is it just me or is the 3D animation weird? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Also, going to the Huey, Dewey, and Louie one, why did they make a key that's identical to, a, to the toy key? To the jailbreak no bob key. I have no idea. It makes no sense. For plot purposes, maybe? I don't know. Definitely plot purposes. It makes no sense otherwise. Yeah. Also, <laughs> to go along with that one, real city, real city, real city, made up city. When they went, it's Los when Angeles, they're like, New York, Paris, Duckburg. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> also, you know I'm watching this in my early 20s when one of my notes is be appreciative, Max. Your father is making an effort. Yeah. That's, honestly, that's all he ever does. He's so <laughs> underappreciated. People are like, oh, he's just an idiot. I'm like, no, he's not just an idiot. He cares. Mm-hmm. Why would, I don't even remember which one of the three did it. He would do it really. But why would they just grab the dude's arm to, like, check the watch? Oh. And the one with Donald's, like... When they're doing the... When he's, like, being a Scrooge. Yes, when he's being the Scrooge. And they're, like, waiting for the show. And they're, like, trying to figure out what time it's going to start. They just, like, grab the dude's arm to see his watch. And he spills his hot chocolate on him. That's when Donald's like, is that hot chocolate? And goes to go get hot chocolate. And then Mm -hmm. ends up behind the store front thing. The mall display. display. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That was really weird. Also, aren't the... Five ducks in that very cold. They're not wearing pants in the they snow. They never wear pants. But it's snow. But everyone else wear was wearing pants. pants. But everyone else was wearing pants. Well, okay, they would look so weird if they wore pants. Then you wouldn't get that they were ducks. <laughs> they would look too weird with pants. They never wear pants. Ever. <laughs> also... The last thing that I have to say is why would you let a dog put the star on your tree? I don't know. I mean, so basically Mickey has this giant, super elaborate, like, to the nines, like, crazy AF. He is the Osborne guy. Yeah. <laughs> inside Just his Inside his house. house instead of outside. Yeah. And he goes, Goofy, you, or Pluto, you put the star on the tree. And then while he's on the phone with Minnie talking about how scaled back it is and how, how simple Okay, if that year. was scaled back, I want to know what he did the year before. <laughs> the house exploded the year before. <laughs> he had fireworks inside. <laughs> this is his brand new house. In the other room, he has all the boxes that he's still waiting to unpack. <laughs> Anyway, so (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm funny bone. I don't know why I thought that was so funny. I think I'm hilarious. <laughs> Just a solid minute of me laughing. <laughs> and me laughing. Can I cut this out for the Instagram? Oh, sure, go for it. <laughs> um, so, oh gosh. So it's this big elaborate thing. And so he's like, so Goof, or Pluto's being impatient. He's like, I want to put the star on the tree. So he climbs up on the ladder and he loses his grip and he falls. And it like makes this whole big mess. And it's like, oh, well, what else did you expect? Letting your dog put the star on the top of the tree. My parents <laughs> told me to put the star on the top of the tree. And I don't put the star person. on the top of the tree. It's just like, what, what, what Disney? Tra- Good luck, Charlie. Do you remember that one? No. Okay, my sister watched it, which is probably why I remember it. But in their Christmas special that they did, because every Disney Channel movie or show had, like, a Christmas, Christmas special. movie. Yeah, like, th- it was their Christmas movie. Their whole thing is letting the youngest person in their family put the star up. Like, the parents hold them up, Simba mm-hmm. style. And they put uh-huh. up the tree. And at the end of that movie, they announced that Mrs. Duncan was pregnant with their next kid. So, you know, it was the last year that Charlie could do it. So, Miss Duncan, her the whole movie's like, no, we have to get, um, we have to get um, back to the family because her eldest daughter Teddy. decides to, yeah, Teddy, she decides to get, um, like, one of those free plane tickets when they overbook the plane. And Miss Duncan gets off with her, like, uh-uh, no. Mm-hmm. So then they're, like, trying to get back home to the family before Christmas Eve. So Charlie can do it because, you know, it's her last year that she'd be able to. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if I were Teddy, I would have done the same thing. Yeah, I, I don't understand why the mom, like, felt the need to leave. Yeah, like, usually they give you, like, pretty decent travel vouchers, too. Like, if you take them. And she was you, trying like, to go on, a like, a spring break trip to, um... Yeah. Miami. Yeah, they'll usually give you, like, a travel voucher for, like, sometimes I've seen them up to, like, thousands of dollars. Yeah. For, like, expensive flights or, like, Especially, if nobody wants to like, take Especially, like, at Christmas time. Oh, yeah. Like, I think also, it was the day before Christmas. Also, hot take, best day to travel, Christmas Eve. Interesting. I flew from Missouri to, to Dallas to California on... Either Christmas Eve or the day before Christmas Eve. Now I can't remember. But it was, like, dead. Missouri was dead. California was dead. Texas was okay. But, like, Texas Texas is always a connector. Like, Dallas is, like, always a connecting city. Yeah. So it's always busy. But, like, I was like, hmm. So what's your favorite moment? So mine is when they... When we find out that the boys wrote Scrooge's name on the nice list, like, I had, like, little tears, like, come down. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Or when Pluto and Mickey are reunited at the end. I think that's my favorite moment. I literally was sitting there crying. I was like, if I ever lost Lily, I think I would die. Like, I think I would actually cry, like, my eyeballs out. I would, like, never stop being sad. Yeah. You know? So, like, that moment just, like, really hit me at the end. And what's your least favorite moment? When Donald is, like, being a jerk and he, like, kills the dolls in the display. I know. I was like, well, those dolls were pretty annoying, but still. 
Those dolls were like small world times 10. That was like, I almost wrote that down as a note. Yeah. But still, like, just leave it alone. But I also think he has that, I really think it's sweet. I also really like when he's like standing out in front of the choir and he's like directing them. Yeah. I like that. I'm just pulling it up on Rotten Tomatoes, sorry. That's okay. So, what would you rate this film out of 10? Uh, I think an 8 out of 10. I think 8.5. Okay. Minus 1.5 points for the animation. Yeah. So, this does not have a critic's rating. Just fans. So you were... Just the audience. There's only two critic reviews. Do you want me to read them instead of give, having the critics? Yeah, kinda. So, Sandy Angelo Chen from Common Sense Media rated the film a 2 out of 5, saying, okay. collection of unmemorable holiday shorts, but fun DVD extras. So rude, okay. And then David Nusar from Real Film reviews um rated it a th- um three out of four saying the movie is imbued with a bright colorful style that's impossible to resist yeah out of so what four do you think is the audience weird scale yeah what do you think the audience score is 58 okay you were pretty close hit me with it, it. was a 61 percent Okay, both of my guesses have been within, like, three points. Yes. So. Let me get a chance to Christmas up. I'm doing pretty good. I am very scared to see how this next one is rated. Watch it be zero percent. Absolutely right. I mean, did you see Three percent. Double threes. Did you see what I, lover of Belle, put as my out of ten score? Wow. <laughs> wow. That's low. Yeah. I'm going to keep it's you my guys lowest. in suspense. It was definitely my lowest rated. Wow. Um, of any of the films that we've covered for this podcast. Wow. So I, as the Beauty and the Beast fan, will um, do the synopsis and everything. So the synopsis is... Share the wonder as Mrs. Potts recounts another tale as old as time about a Christmas past that almost wasn't, thanks to the scheming of former court composer Forte, who was determined to keep Belle and Beast apart forever. It was directed by Andy Knight, and it came out in 1997. The cast includes Paige O'Hara as Belle, Robbie Benson as Beast. Oh, all of them are original, which... This is getting into our fun fact a little bit, except for two actors. Who were added. No. As new characters. Well, of the original Beauty and the Beast oh. cast. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, Paige O'Hara as Belle, Robbie Benson as Beast, Jerry Orpage as Orbach. Lumiere. Orbach. Jer- Jerry Orbach as Lumiere. David Ogden Steers as Cogsworth. Bernadette Peters as Angelique. Queen. Tim Curry as Forte. King. Hallie Joel Osment as Chip. Frank Weller as um, 
Philippe and the Sultan and Sultan Jeff Bennett as Axe slash Poke, Kath Susie as the Enchantress, Paul Robbins as Fife, and Angela Lansbury as Mrs. Potts. Really quick, I freaking yeah. loved the Axe. He was so funny. I know, right? <laughs> when he was like, "Oi!" I was like, "Yes." So. This was the first product made in Walt Disney's Television Animation's Toronto studio, which was sh- later shut down in 2002 due to cutbacks. Uh-huh. And only two actors did not reprise their roles from the original Beauty and the Beast, which were Hal Smith as Philippe and Bradley Pierce as Chip. Smith, who died in 1994, was replaced by Frank Wel- um, Wel- Weller. Is that what I had on IMDb? Welker. Welker, I definitely said Weller, Frank Welker, well, Pierce's role was taken over by Hallie Joel Osment as Pierce's voice had changed due to growing older and puberty. I'm pretty sure it's Haley Joel Osment. Okay, I, I'm sorry, Haley Joel Osment, but it's late. It's fine. It's fine. And then the flashback scene where the prince is transformed into the beast was the original idea for the prologue for Beauty and the Beast, as suggested by lyricist Howard Ashman. We love Howard Ashman. Yes. Honestly, I think it would have been worse in the movie. I do, too. I kind of liked it here. I, I, yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, so who's your favorite character? The axe. Of the new, like, five or four that we get, I think it would be Angelique as my favorite. I thought she was such a pessimist. I was like, for being an angel? What a bitch. (laughs) I mean, she's been locked up for, like, 11 years. Yeah, I don't know. I was like, I don't like her. I like Bernadette Peters, but I don't like her. Fun fact that I oh, that made the cutting board when I was coming up with fun facts for this movie. Angela Lansbury and Bernadette board? Peters. Cutting board, whatever. I am tired, Gabby. We've already <laughs> covered this. Um, Bernadette Peters and um, Angela Lansbury were in another movie that came out in 1997. Being Anastasia, where Angela Lansbury was Anastasia's grandmother and... Bernadette Peters with Sophie, who is Anastasia's grandmother's, like, best friend in the movie. Mm. So they both did two movies together that same year. They did a lot of stuff together, because they were friends from being on Broadway. Yeah. Also but yeah, Bernadette I liked Peters Ang- I love her. They love did not Bernadette let her Peters. sing that much in this movie, and that was I a know. crime. It was totally a crime. She needed her own song. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, but I like Belle. Um... But, like, I didn't feel like parts of this movie she was herself. Like, she yeah. never sets out to change the beast. But in this one, every time he yells at her, she's like, it's no use. I'll never change him. I'm like, <sighs> like oh, gosh, get a bitch, grip. Bitch, what? No. Yeah, it's you, like, get Who are you grip. and what have you done with Belle? Seriously. <laughs> I was so mad. Yeah. Um. Also... I'm just going to go through my notes because I wrote a lot. Okay, go Which for is it. probably why I wrote, I rated it what so, I rated it. Yeah. Um, why is Mrs. Potts carrying a teapot in the opening scene? No one else is carrying what they were. 
inanimate object form except for her. But that whole scene, she's just carrying a teapot, and no one else, like, Lumiere isn't, ca- like, hey, having a candlestick. Yeah. And Cogsworth isn't carrying a clock. Like, I was like, okay, I don't understand this. Like, Could you so. imagine if Lumiere were carrying a candelabra? I was just so confused, because it wasn't like she was pouring, like, hot chocolate or anything, like, well, she you know. Been. We just go with like, we it. didn't see it. And she's just standing there for, like, the whole thing. And then sets it down to go tell the story. It annoyed me. Also, I felt chip with him complaining about the socks. Dude, I wear socks all the time. My feet get so cold. Okay, but Christmas present? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, He opened a Christmas present. I actually asked for socks for Christmas last year. I love that. I needed socks. Yeah. Oh, no. Also, so the wolf attack was before Christmas. How long was Belle in the castle then? I have no idea. Probably, it sounds like she was there for a year. Yeah, because I thought something there was like right right around Christmas time. I did too. Which, speaking of something there, why wasn't her amazing pink and red winter outfit, why wasn't she wearing it at all in this movie? She was just wearing her village dress with like a red jacket over it. Yeah, and then she wore she wore that red and gold one at the end that we see in the parks. Yeah, I was like, is this where we get the parks one? Is it that is. why we we don't see her in the pink? Yeah, awesome something there. I was yeah. mad. Well, that and because she can't wear pink, that's Aurora's color. Can she wear okay? Can she wear pink like the pink something there dress in Epcot where she normally meets in her village dress? Maybe compromise. Compromise. Idea. Because we could do what the Hot Topic collection did and put like the enchanted robes embroidered on her cape. The Hot Topic collection one is really pretty. It's so pretty. I, I but love the one it. I, I made it so is bad. very cute. I want it so bad. <laughs> um, I would feel so bad if I was turned into a coat rack without a face and not like something that had a face on it, like Mrs. Potts or those. Yeah, or like. Or the, like, plank. Do you remember the, like, just, like, he was, like, on the wall, and he was what was carrying Belle's, like, ice skates? Right? Or could you imagine being turned into, like, the frickin' furnace? Like, what? I know! I was, like... I know, I was... (laughs) What the heck? Or, like, an ornament. Yeah. Like, could you imagine? Like, you're, like, la-da-da-da-da, whoop. Live your whole life as an ornament. I'd be like, so depressed. I would rather be a teapot than an ornament. I would rather be a plate. <laughs> I w- yeah, there we go. Or I'd rather be a plate or something. Yeah. At least the napkins get to do that like fun kick dance in the musical. Yeah. So, okay. I had a question about this. And yes. it really bugged me. Everything in this movie is traditionally animated, like drawing. Except for like, Forte. Art. Yes, Forte is done in the three D animation, and it bugs me so much. My note is so this is so this CGI budget is where all the money went to, right? Yeah, like 
Like, it's awful. Also, he is a terrible villain because he is bolted to the wall, so he can't do anything. So Fife is the one doing everything for him. I know. It's like, he's like the Bond villain who just sits in the chair and doesn't actually do anything. Just Or like the guy hat. in Black Widow. Which guy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Which guy? The, like, the guy. One of the, only, the guy. Yeah. Um, but why is he so creepy as a human? I don't know. I was just about to say that. I was like, it was really weird. Also, I love how I wrote, Lumiere, you have the feather duster. (laughs) He's like kissing Angelique and I'm like, Lumiere. What about Babette? Yeah. She has a different name in the stage show than in the movie. So I just call her the feather duster. I thought it was Babette. One of them is Plumette and one of them is Babette. Okay. So she has three names now, I guess. Oh. Fifi, Plumette, or Babette? Babette. Yeah. It's Babette. Oh, Fifi is the name that they make her in the um, new live action one with Emma Watson. I remember that, actually. Okay. But it's wrong. It's Babette. Yeah. Also, anyway, the songs are not that good in this. The songs are kind of bad. And the reason I started listening to the Polar Express is because the music in this reminds so me bad. of the Polar Express. Yes, but they were so bad. It was done by Rachel Portman and um, lyrics by Don Black. I had to look it up because I was like, no way Alan Menken wrote this. No way. I mean, nothing against them. But, like, also, these are really bad. Okay, I said that was stories. Because it was just like, stories and stories and stories and stories. Tell me that doesn't sound like the theme to the Polar Express. With the da 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 Okay, but Polar Express, or Elf also has that. Elf, Polar Express, and stories all have the same music. I know it's very, like, a Christmassy tune, but, like, I don't know. I don't know who did it. Whose big brain it was to recycle that tune over and over and over again. Also. Save them some money, but also. Wine glasses. That was a dumb pun, and I really liked it. (laughs) I did too, which is why I wrote it down. Yeah. Also, the Enchantress was, like, so creepy. Like, I would not take a rose from her. Yeah. Also, did she have to come on Christmas Eve? Obviously, because that was the only day she could she could make it, obviously. Also, did you catch the Charlie Brown Christmas reference? Not at all. No? Nope. So it's when they're, like, first looking at trees, and Belle's like, what about this one? And Chip looks at it and puts, like, the one singular red ornament on it, and it falls over. Now that you like, say no. it, yes, I did. I did. I do remember that now. <laughs> also, how has no one seen the red flags of Forte? Right? Like, come on, man. The, the guy's a bolted-to-the-wall red flag. So, okay. What was your favorite moment in it? What did I even write? <laughs> <laughs> um, I liked the final moment when Chip gets, like, the present and Five gets his solo and Peace is giving his gift to Belle. Either that or the Enchantress scene. Those were the only two, like, moments that I actually cared about. (laughs) 
I like when they're looking for the tree at the beginning. And I really like the axe. So anything with the axe made me smile. You see, whereas my least favorite moment is anything with Forte. Accurate. Same. I hated that. It was awful. Um, have you ever heard of the Yulong tradition before this? Kind of, yeah. I had not. Basically, what I know of it is that, like, you pick a Yule log and you put it in the thing, and as long as it burns, it, like, symbolizes the spirit of Christmas. That's yeah. what I, that's what I, I mean, know that's... of it. Also, when he's, like, trying to figure out what he's giving Belle for Christmas, I was like, is this why she gets the library? And it was, nope, she's getting a song. A stupid song. Yeah. That's terrible. He should have just given her the library. Like, literally, she loves books. How do you not know that about her already? Like, come on. Especially because I thought this was taking place in between something there the entire time I was watching it. I mean, same. So I was like, okay, his Christmas present is the library. Yeah, because in something there, he gives her the library. Although, you could say that something there happens after Christmas, and it's, like, January, and this is him, like, making up his shitty present to her. (laughs) Which, honestly, I kind of like better. (laughs) Also, again, how is this happening in the course of Beauty and the Beast? Because when we see Belle after almost freezing to death on Christmas Eve. Yeah, it's not. No way. Alternate timeline where Belle is in the Beast Castle for, like, ten years before anybody finds her. So, what do you rate this film out of ten? Like a three. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I did a 4.5, and that was being very generous. It's really bad. Oh, crap. I I got out of Rotten Tomatoes. No! It's okay. I got it back. Okay, cool. Yeah, I definitely give this one a three. I think this is the lowest I've ever rated any movie ever. 4.5 is the lowest I've rated any of the movies for this podcast. That should tell you how bad this movie is. I Belle is my favorite Disney princess, and I've rated this a four out of five. 4.5 out of 10. Oh, yeah, 4.5 out of 10. I, that makes a huge yeah. difference. I know. Yeah. It's bad. So, this one does have a critic score and an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Critic score, 3%. Audience score, 11%. This was the furthest you've been all night. Really? Okay. Yes. So, the critic score was a 13%. Okay. And the audience score was a 55 Shut up! <laughs> no way! Wow. People are dumb. I want to read the critic reviews. I don't. I'm sure they're terrible. Honestly, they it was a warranted 13%. Okay, so most of these people did not actually, like, give, like, a sentence. Ah. Though, Tim Brayton at Antagony and Ecstasy... Um, said, a fairly desperate attempt to create a plot where there's no room for one. Thank you. And then our girl Sandy Chen, who rated whatever badly, the last one badly, she rated this one a 3 out of 5, giving it a higher score than twice upon a Christmas. (laughs) 
saying if you are looking for a sweet holiday tale, this is not it. It is far scarier than you might expect for a Disney holiday title. Seriously? I didn't read that until I like was starting to read it out loud, and I love it. Literally? And, Literally, Forte is so freaking creepy. Also, it makes no sense. The plot makes no sense. Why? Literally, also, why? I could tell... I think one of my notes was that she, that music has no, or that sheet music has no actual music written on it. Yeah. That's and then sad. that becomes the whole twist. It's like, woo, we knew the whole time. I thought they were just too lazy to draw the music notes on the paper at first, honestly. I thought so too, and then it became part of the plot, and I was like, that's actually probably what happened, was they were too lazy to write music, and then went... Let's make it part of the plot. Yeah. Give Fife the motivation he needs to... I liked Fife, though. I thought he was cute. He reminds me of... Oh, who is the character that he reminds me of? Like, okay. Who is the character he reminds me of? Have you listened to Tuck the Musical? Yes. Okay. He reminds me of um, Hugo. I just had a better one. Huh. Do you know the rat from Anastasia? Or the bat from Anastasia? No. No? No. He doesn't no, I haven't seen that there? movie since I was like oh. five. It's a bat, Anastasia. Let's find Let's find Bartok is his name. He is the villain's like henchman guy in this okay. movie. And he's the comedic relief of the Anastasia movie. That's him. Ah, yes, I remember him. I remember him. He also kind of reminds me of Mole from Journey to Atlantis. Yes. Just a little bit. Or a little bit of Olaf. A lot of of Olaf. Olaf. A, a lot, lot of, of Olaf, actually. That was kind of, like, on the nose. <laughs> I like how it took us a while to get there, and I'm sure everybody who's listening is just screaming Olaf at us. I told Kara that we were watching this for the podcast, mm-hmm. and she's like, the o- uh, her one note that I felt needed to be shared is, Tim Curry's voice is too sexy for this movie. And yet she makes fun of me when I say that Patrick Page's voice is sexy. What? <laughs> not cool. Okay, she said too hot for it, not sexy. Okay, that makes a huge difference. She has also said sexy for it, like... When we talked about Rocky Horror. That is what it was. Duh. Tim Curry is a G. Honestly, yeah. I love Tim Curry in Home Alone. Yes. And I forgot the second that he one. was in that. He's in the second one. Yeah, I forgot that he was in it. He's the hotel guy, right? Yeah. Also, you uh, know Donald what Trump kind of bugged me? It kind what? of bugged me that they cut that scene with Donald Trump out. I was like, hey, that was funny. Did? That was like so topical. I thought it was funny. Wait, they cut it out? I don't know. I saw somewhere that they cut it out. They might not have, but I saw somewhere that they cut it out. And I was kind of mad. 
Yeah. Just because I think it's so funny that it's just so casual. Just, hey, hey. <laughs> like, like when they do stupid little things like that, I love that. Like when it gets really meta and people and like people in movies are like, hey, you're that actor. And it's like, but you're not that actor? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, okay. I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but I love all that like Big Bang meta Theory does stuff. that a lot. A lot. Yeah. Like when they did it with oh, with the guy who plays Spock or Captain Yes. Kirk. When Penny gets him to sign a napkin for Sheldon. Or, you know, when Mark Hamill officiates Sheldon's yeah. wedding. And he, like, freaks out because it's Mark Hamill. And it's like, ooh, you're not Jim Parsons? Like, like <laughs> it's a little too meta for me. And I love that kind of joke. Or um, James, Ar- um, James Earl Jones. Yeah. Same thing. I don't know. That kind of thing. Just, like, I love that kind of stuff. Or, like, when in Legally Blonde, she, like, references Paris Hilton. Yes. Like, that kind of stuff just gets me so hyped. (laughs) And I laugh so hard. I don't know why. It just makes me laugh. So, I don't know. Eh. Anyway, should we wrap this up? I was just going to ask, shall we see them in the outro? I think so. I don't know how okay. much of that prior conversation just got cut, but probably a lot of it. <laughs> Not going to lie. Probably most of it. Maybe. I don't know. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Fan Fatales. Gabby, would you like to tell our lovely audience what we will be chatting about next week? Next week, we're going to be continuing our winter wonderthon with modern Christmas films. Yes. A lot of princess ones. Yes. And remember to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And subscribe to us on YouTube. Please leave us a review or comment down below to tell us what you think of the show. And remember to follow us on Instagram at FanFatalesPod for the latest updates and to possibly be featured in a future episode. Now, Emma, where can the people find you on social media? So my Instagram and TikTok are both at SnippyEmma, which is S-N-I-P-P-Y-E-M-M-A. What about you, Gabs? I'm at Gabby Gent on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. That's G-A-B-Y-J-E-N-T. Our music is by our amazing friend, Maddie Macon. And our editing is by the wonderful Kara Linsmeyer. As always, thanks for tuning in. Bye! Bye! The views expressed in this episode do not reflect the brand or the company they're about.